0: This is Christian Questions.
1: Winston Churchill once said, Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Good morning everyone and welcome to Christian Questions. Talk Radio with a purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick,
2: that perspective is based on
1: godly principles, family
2: values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website,
1: ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we are glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us today. Jonathan, what's the subject for this morning? Oh boy.
2: <laughs> well, Rick, our question is, how do we cope with abortion? And our theme text is found in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called
1: me through his grace. Okay. So, the question, how do we cope with abortion? And let's start with this, Jonathan. Freedom is a good thing. Freedom to choose, freedom to act, freedom of thought, all good things. Our society touts this right of freedom, especially in the case of a woman's right to choose. Freedom, though, without responsibility, this is not a good thing, for it takes the liberty of freedom and applies it with no boundaries. And without boundaries, there can only be anarchy. So, what's the balance between freedom, responsibility, And a woman's right to choose for the Christian, does the Bible tell us? So, Jonathan, we are talking about the topic of abortion this morning. This
2: is a tough one, Rick.
1: Yeah, and this is not a subject that we talk about often. Uh, As a matter of fact, our, our Rewind team is so... So so dislikes the subject that we, we put off talking about it uh, more than we probably would otherwise because it's, it's a very, very, very difficult subject. But folks, it's an important subject. We want to get into it with you. We want to put it on the table. We want to have a discussion. And really, the, 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 that last sentence there, Jonathan, what's the balance between freedom, responsibility, and a woman's right to choose for the Christian? Mm-hmm. Christians? Christians fall on both sides of the issue. That's right. Okay, both, both there are pro-choice and there are pro, uh, pro-life pro uh, Christians. So why is it that you think what you think we'd love to hear from you? We'll, we'll open that up as the, as the uh, program goes on. Our number is 866-985-4255. So, Jonathan, as we get started with this, our first basic guideline is this. And, and this might be come as a shock, but the Bible does not address abortion.
2: That's right, it does not.
1: Does not. There is not a scripture that talks about Abortion, okay, based on a mother's choice. Okay, that's there, there is no scripture, there's no scriptural example or scriptural guidance that addresses the matter directly. So, that's a truth. Based on this truth, can we say that the Bible is pro life or pro choice? See, we believe that we can very much, though, through a backdoor approach, if you will. Okay, and what do I mean by that backdoor approach? What are the principles of Scripture that can help us understand something that the Bible doesn't dra- address directly? Right. And there are a lot of things that the Bible doesn't address directly, but by scriptural principle, you can come to a conclusion. Right, correct. So that's what we want to do this morning, and we're going to start out by going what we think is exactly the wrong direction. Okay?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> There's an, we, we have several people that help with the, with the research for the, the programs, and someone sent me an article by Joyce Arthur. Um, this was from Pro-Choice, uh, let's see, Pro-Choice Pro Action Networks dash Canada slash articles. That's the website. Uh, Joyce Arthur wrote this article called, said, the title is The Bible is Pro-Choice. And when I read the title, I said, What? And basically, i got to read this. Mm -hmm. And and so I did. It's a very long article, and we're going to excerpt this article throughout at least the first half of our program. But we want to start by reading a couple of – now, these are just excerpts – from the beginning of the article, uh, just to get a sense of – and we're just sort of dropping in on the article – where she's coming from. Most
2: anti-choicers claim obedience to the divinely inspired Word of God. So let's review the performance by taking a look at what the Bible has to say about abortion. Extreme, extremely little, actually. But what it does say appears to be in direct contradiction to the anti-choice stance. First, let's look at the Bible's passages that anti-choicers generally cite to pro-up their position. Incredibly, they rely mainly on just three That have nothing to do with abortion. Apparently anti-choicers believe these vague passages say something significant about the status of the fetus, although it's impossible for any reasonable person to discern exactly what. The first such passage is found in Psalms 139 13 to
1: 16. Okay, and we're going to read that scripture and make some comments on it. But I, I want to comment on one thing, Jonathan, the phraseology of this article. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she talks about, well, these anti choicers. Right. And l- let's, let's. I've never heard it put that way well, before. Well, I, I think she's being a little bit uh, uh, firm and sarcastic in her perspective. Uh, she has a very definite, clear, firm perspective. And look, abortion is legal. Okay, yeah, I don't like abortion, I don't believe in abortion, but abortion is legal, so you have to respect it from the standpoint of its legality, mm-hmm, all right? Mm-hmm. What she's saying, though, is, and, and here, here, here's one of the problems, when we start to call each other names, when you're on different sides of an issue, you never get anywhere. Right. So if I were to sit, co- go back and say, okay, well, she's a pro-deather. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, and you know, there's no sense in doing that, so... Ease up on the rhetoric, and let's just deal with the facts, okay? Stop with the name-calling, and let's, you know... And folks, look, if you have a different point of view than us, certainly call in and let us know. And our promise is there's not going to be a bunch of rhetoric and and name-calling and looking down upon. It's a conversation, and if it's a conversation based in respect, you can get somewhere with it. Yes. All right, so now that that's off my back, (laughs) let's go to that scripture. And this scripture in Psalm 139... 13 to 16 is David actually praising God for the miracle of life as well as giving a prophetic utterance concerning the development of the true church. So it's not just a physical utterance he's giving. He's also making a prophecy. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that.
2: For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well.
1: Alright, so wonderful are your works that I know very well. I, you knit me together in my mother's womb. It's just giving a, a very, and it, that is kind of poetic in the language. It is, it is. You know, saying, you, 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 miraculously you made me in my mother's womb. Go ahead. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being
2: made secretly, intricately woven in the depths of the earth
1: intricately woven. I mean, think about that. Now, he talks about in the depths of the earth. You say, well, what does that got... What does that got... What do you mean in the depths of the earth? And, and the commentator's thought on that is that um, it was intricately woven because it was in darkness. Nobody knew what was really happening, especially in those days. You didn't know. So it was, it was as though it was in the depths of the earth. That's mm. what commentators say on that. Okay.
2: And then it continues. My frame was not hidden... Uh, uh, for your eyes, behold my unformed substance. In your book, were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed.
1: So it's giving us a real sense of of God's foreknowledge and understanding. So let's go back to the article by the Bible is pro choice. Again, this is not something we believe, but we're trying to to, to give airtime es- essentially to a, a different perspective. Um, and so we're going to go back to her. Perspective on this particular uh, uh, scripture.
2: All this passage states is that God is directly involved in the creation of a fetus and knows its future. This is useless for the anti choice position, pro life position, since God creates all living things, including trees and bugs. Plus, just because God is supposedly omniscient doesn't give fetuses any special status. It simply means God already knows whether they will live or die. It is dishonest to conclude from this verse that a fetus is a human being deserving of more protection than women. The passage is poetic prose that anti-choicers have twisted and trivial. Trivula- uh, it's too early. Trivially- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Trivialized. <laughs> Thank yes. you. I knew you said that
2: right. <laughs> By giving it literally. Objective meaning where there is none.
1: All right. So uh, there's lots to say on this, Jonathan. I want to I go to a, a soundbite in a moment, uh, but I just want to make a comment on one, one statement she says. You know, it's dishonest to conclude this verse uh, from this verse that a fetus is a human being deserving of more protection than women. Pro lifers are not talking about giving a fetus more protection than women. No. They're, no, they're, they're not. talking about giving a fetus equal protection. The, the 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 right to live so that's a, an absolutely exaggerated mm, statement it is. in the process of making the argument just just pointing that out and uh, let, let's go to a um a soundbite this is from an 8 minute trailer uh for a movie called life after abortion and it's 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 sad it, a lot of, we're going to be going back to this uh it's a lot of it is is women who had had abortions and sort of reflecting on what had happened in that, in that situation. And folks, listen, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you. This is a tough subject. Um, give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free 866 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our
2: Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All
1: right, Fred, let's go to that
2: soundbite.
3: I lived in a crappy apartment and I drove a crappy car and I didn't even have a job. Who was I to raise a child?
4: As the nurse was performing the ultrasound, I watched her and she was looking at my baby on the monitor. And I asked her, I said, can I see my baby? And she took the monitor literally with her hands and turned it away from me. And I turned to look at the screen and thought, that looks like a baby. Well, she got very upset
5: and yelled at me and said, turn around, don't you dare look at that. I
4: did not believe that it was a baby inside of me at the time.
0: I was told it was a blob of tissue.
4: They explained it to me that it was a blob, that it wasn't anything yet. But I needed to have this
5: abortion as soon as possible before this blob of tissue turns into a baby. And she told me that it wasn't even a baby yet, that it was just a clump of cells.
1: So there's an underlying theme there. And obviously, you know, we're, we're listening to those who, uh, who regret their decision. Yes. Now, there are those who don't regret their decision. That's, right. that, that's an entirely different part of the issue. Mm-hmm. But here, here, Jonathan, I think the important thing here is uh, you, you hear that and say, okay, is it just a blob of tissue? Because that's sort of or a bunch of cells. Or is, is it something that has no individuality? In terms of humanity, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the, the big question here. Um, let's go to, I, I want to go to just Genesis 1:26 to 28, because, you know, um, Joyce Arthur in her article, The Bible is Pro-Choice, basically says, you know, just because God is omniscient doesn't give fetuses any special status. And basically, you know, he created trees and bugs, too. So what she's saying is, look, we're all part of, you know, all the things that God created, one right after the other, after the other, after the other. Well, that's not the, really the way it is. If you're going to comment on the Bible, then you need to comment on the, on the context of what the Bible actually means. Genesis 1, to 28. Then
2: God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on
1: the earth. So now here's the interesting thing about that. God says, let us make man in our image. And God, according to Genesis, creates man directly and individually. With all of the other creations, you know what the process was? It said, let the earth bring forth. Right. So when she makes the comment, well, look, God created trees and bugs, so you know what makes us different? And the answer is everything. The whole process of creation was different with mankind. God created man individually, and the earth did not bring forth man. God created man. Difference. Yeah, that is. So when you say, well, you know, it, it, it's all the same. No, actually, it's not. So if you're going to discuss this, and you can tell, Jonathan, I'm very... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you're doing good. My blood pressure is up already, (laughs) and we're just starting. If you're going to discuss the scriptures, please, let's discuss them in the context of, of what the scriptures are really about. And when you look at that scripture in Genesis, man holds a special, higher role than the rest of creation, period. That's what the scriptures say.
2: You're listening to Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this morning is... How do we cope with abortion? Coming up, are we saying, we are saying we're pro-life, but there are difficult scriptures to explain. Translators are even divided. What will you conclude? That's next.
0: You're listening to Christian Questions.
2: Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how do we cope with abortion? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: And Jonathan, that question, how do we cope with abortion? Well, one of the things we do is we try to understand it and we try to understand what the scriptures say because the scriptures don't directly deal with abortion, uh, but they do deal in principle with those kinds of activities. And so that's how we, what we said in the first segment. We're taking sort of a backdoor approach scripturally. We're looking at those who say, well, the scriptures are actually say that God is pro-choice, not pro-life. I don't believe that, not for a second. It's based on scripture, we're, gonna, we're, we're unfolding that. But folks, listen. For, for, for Christians, we have several listening areas uh, on, on the radio with us and uh, along with our online audience. But uh, l- listeners in Connecticut, what is your perspective? What is your Christian perspective on, a, on abortion? Listeners in Indiana, what do you think? Are you pro-life or pro-choice and why? Are, are, there, are there certain very compelling reasons above others? Listeners in Tennessee, we'd love to hear from you as well. What's your stance and why? Our number is 866 866- nine eight five four two five five toll free eight six six nine eight five four all we 're live Sunday mornings from seven to nine that means we 're on right now and'd love to hear your thoughts
2: and our website christianquestions dot com
1: so we'd love to hear from uh, folks in in each of those uh, areas just to get you, you Plus get you to online you. that's right that's right let us know what you think this is an important subject uh, Jonathan so our back our first backdoor step in defining a biblical approach to pro pro choice versus pro life is what Acknowledge
2: that humanity is far different um, than from the rest of cre- the creations.
1: Okay. Humanity was created differently at a different time under different circumstances. Psalm 8 verses 4 to 6 exemplifies that.
2: What is the mortal that thou rememberest him and the son of man that thou thinkest of him? Yet thou hast made him but a little less than angels and has crowned him with honor and glory. Thou hast given him dominion over the works of thy hands. Everything hast thou placed beneath his feet.
1: So the idea that you made him a little lower than the angels, there's no scripture that indicates animals are like that at all. No. Mankind is a special creation in the eyes of God and in the mind of God and in the plan of God. Now, on the Day of Judgment, will animals
2: be accountable for their actions?
1: <laughs> That's a good point. No, they won't. No, there, there's a whole different, different approach. So when people are, who, who are not Christian like to look in, in the Bible and start to point fingers and say, Ha, see, this doesn't mean what you think it means. What they need to do is they need to understand context. And they need to look at the Bible as a whole. And unfortunately, Old and new, right? And unfortunately, most don't. And I'm sad to say that, but that that's really where where it comes down to. Let's go to a let's go to another uh, um, soundbite. This we got off of YouTube. This is an individual who uh, again believes that the Bible is pro-choice, and he gives a scripture and gives a little bit of an explanation. And we're going to comment on that scripture uh, directly after the soundbite.
3: It comes up again in Numbers chapters 35 verse 30. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. But later, the Bible clearly states that killing a fetus is not punishable by death, even if it is done against the will of the mother. Exodus chapter 21 verse 22 is the only passage in the entire Bible that specifically refers to a person causing the termination of a pregnancy. When men strive together and hurt a woman with child so that there is a miscarriage, and yet no harm follows, the one who hurt her shall be fined according as the woman's husband shall lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. So murder is always punishable by death, but killing a fetus is punishable by a fine. Obviously, killing a fetus is much, much less serious than murder. According to the Bible, abortion is not murder.
1: Okay. Now, he stated that pretty emphatically, didn't he? He did. And he stated the scripture is Exodus twenty-one, twenty-two to 25. And look, Jonathan, I will tell you right up front, translators are very divided on the meaning of the scripture. There is no question about it. I looked at a lot of commentators, a lot of translations, and you can get a lot of different shades of meaning on this. Okay. Okay, so... I want to state that before we read it, but we're going to read it from the King James Version. And I want you to notice something important when you read it from the King James Version. What's that? The word miscarriage does not appear.
2: Oh, and he used it. He did. He, okay. read,
1: he read a translation that said miscarriage. Okay. Okay. All so right. just go ahead.
2: If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then shalt thou give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe
1: so in this scripture, it says so if if two men are fighting and a woman inter- it gets, gets in the middle of it, and she 's a pregnant woman, and she is uh, she is hurt and so that her fruit depart from her that 's the way the King James version states it mm-hmm. so let 's try to figure out what this scripture is talking about what What is fruit it means something born okay and and typically when you look in scriptures and talking about a woman. Carrying, th- th- it talks about th- that which she carries as her fruit. Mm-hmm. And fruit has been used to describe what's in the womb and what's out of the womb as well. Yeah. Alive and, and well. Just, that's right. Just so we know. Good point. Depart. So that her fruit depart from her. What does that word mean? It means to go out, come
2: out, exit, go forth.
1: Okay. So though, that's the very basic clear definition and mischief it says if some mischief should follow what does mischief mean it means rick hurt okay so what we have is a very ambiguous scripture yeah it's very ambiguous it's too ambiguous to clearly determine that death was a penalty for causing the death of a pregnant woman's child okay it it doesn't say that emphatically now it could possibly mean that I'm not going to say that it couldn't, it could, but it also could mean that, he says if mischief should follow, Mm -hmm. that mischief can easily apply only to the mother or to both the mother and a living child.
2: Oh, even in the womb?
1: Well, afterwards. After, okay. In other words, because the, the problem here is that the woman is hurt and she goes into labor. Oh, okay. We all understand that. But the question is, is the child born dead or alive?
2: Oh, I got you. Okay,
1: and they're saying, well, if if the child's born dead, then it's just a penalty. It wasn't murder, so there you go. Uh, But what they're saying is it could not possibly be that the child was born alive. And I don't think the scripture is saying that at all. Okay? Ah. But again, this is a tough scripture. Am I emphatic in my own thinking on this one? Nope, because I really don't know, honestly and truly. Folks, if you have a thought. We're talking about abortion. We're talking about a Christian perspective. And what should our Christian perspective be? It, can you be pro-life and Christian? We'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every
2: Sunday morning from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com.
1: So, Jonathan, as we go through this particular scripture, this scripture our ten- my, my personal tendency is to see this verse focusing on both mother and child. And there are four basic reasons that I think it, it tends toward the, toward that. Let's go through them. The first is the fact that it is
2: so vague, it implies a broader application.
1: Right. It is, it, and I think the scripture is purposefully vague mm-hmm. because it, it's just leave, leaving all kinds of, of situations open. Right. Okay.
2: The second point is the word for fruit, is mostly translated child.
1: And when you look at the Old Testament, that's what you're going to see. If you look up the word and look up how it's translated, it comes up child more often than not. And the third point, the Old
2: Testament view of children was that they were sacred and wanted. Having lots of children was a measure of being blessed.
1: And that's an interesting thing, because when people say, well, the Bible is pro-choice and not pro-life, how do you account for that fact? That's a good that point. Children are, are are lauded as a wonderful blessing from God, always, always, always. And then, what's the fourth point as to why we look at this more on the on the side of of convening a child that is actually born alive? There were no descriptive differences between a preborn baby
2: and a baby in Scripture.
1: So, in other words, the same words are used to describe a baby in utero and a baby after birth. The okay. exact Good same point. words are used. So they're not distinguishing one to the other. So, so, and that's the fact. That's the context of Scripture. Now, with that having been said, let's go back to our article by Joyce Arthur, uh, again from Pro Choice Action Networks Canada articles. Uh, her article is saying the Bible is pro choice, and she is uh, commenting on this verse that we've just been talking about. Some conservative
2: biblical scholars have disputed the translation of the word miscarriage in Exodus 21 22 through 25 passage, claiming it means premature birth. This is. Okay, and that's what I was just saying. Mm-hmm, okay. Yes. And I'm not a
1: scholar either. <laughs> okay, just saying.
2: <laughs> this is indefensible, however. First, the original Hebrew word is yatsa, which literally means to lose her offspring. Second, the premature birth is in the ancient world resulted in almost certain death for the fetus or infant since only modern medicine can save premature babies third other scholars have shown that the passage was derived directly from
1: more ancient pagan laws which clearly referred to miscarriage okay so there's three things that she brings up it says it's indefensible to say it's not miscarriage indefensible all right and here's what she says. The original Hebrew word is yatsa. So, being a student of the Bible, as I am, I looked it up. And she's right. That's the word. But hold on. Not so fast. That word, that uh, Hebrew word yatsa, is used over 1,000 times in the Old Testament. It's used over 1,000 times. And it literally means out or brought or come or go, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, also... And reading the actual source of, of Joyce Arthur's comments, I, she, she listed at the end of her article her sources, mm-hmm. and, I, and I looked them up. And when I was reading the actual source of her comments, she is taking a suggested approach by some scholars and making it a firm truth. Because in the source, it showed both points of view. Okay. What she does is she takes one point of view...
2: Which she agrees with.
1: Which she agrees with and says it's indefensible to think of this otherwise. When her source said in the middle paragraph that she skipped... Her source said, uh, some scholars see it this way, though. You've got to understand that. So, Jonathan, to me, that's a, a sad lack of integrity. You want to make a point, make the point factually without exaggeration. You don't need exa- truth doesn't need to be exaggerated. It simply needs to be stated. Good point. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about abortion. We're talking about what it means and, and how it affects us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, especially those of you listening in Connecticut, Indiana, and Tennessee. What's your thought on a Christian's stance on abortion? 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Go to our website,
2: ChristianQuestions.com, and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. And for this
1: subject, Rick, CQ Rewind it would be very important. A lot of extra material, a lot of pre, uh, pre-birth pictures of the development process of, uh, of a baby. And you tell me if it's just a blob of cells by looking at those pictures. At different stages. At different stages. Gotcha. So as a matter of fact, let's go to another soundbite from Life After Abortion, that, uh, that, that movie, that, that trailer. And again, folks, this is a little bit disturbing. Uh, Because you're hearing women who've gone through the abortion process and are regretting it later. And the whole point of this is be educated before you make a choice. Let's listen.
0: And I heard one nurse say to the other nurse, it's twins. And then she took the trash bag and she tied it in a knot and she walked out with the twins in that trash bag. I was hysterical. I
5: was crying and um. For the first time, maybe because I was heavily medicated, I felt free to to call out and say, you know, it was my baby, it was my baby. I knew deep inside of me that what I had done was take the life of my own child. It opened my eyes to what abortion really was. And I knew that when I walked out of that abortion facility that day, that I would never have anything to do with abortion ever again. All the feminists said is my body, my right, this was gonna help me.
1: Why didn't I feel that way? And again, Jonathan abortion is legal. Yes it is. You know, you can complain about it but it's legal and women have a right do it, and, it, you know, what are you going to do when people do it? Are going to throw stones at them? I, I mean, you you got to no, realize that, that people are making choices. What we want to do is put it on the table that, A, the Bible has a perspective, even though it doesn't deal with abortion directly, and, B, you need to know the facts. You really do need to know the facts. And, Jonathan, just real quickly before we close this segment, is a baby just a massive tissue? Uh, let's see what happens in the very, very early stages of a pregnancy. 15 to 17 days, what happens? The circulatory system begins to develop. Okay. So you've got a circulatory system, 20 days. Brain and nervous system established. 21 days.
2: Heart begins beating. 28 days. Backbone and muscles are forming. Arms, legs, eyes have begun to show.
1: And it's at this point that most women just find out that they're pregnant. So if you want to call it a mass of tissue, you have a circulatory system, you have brain and nervous systems, you have a heartbeat, and you have backbone muscles, arms and legs and eyes all there. Is that just a mass of tissue?
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how do we cope with abortion? Coming up, the famous Roe versus Wade. Was a mistake made? How about regret? Jane Roe speaks out. That's next.
0: You're listening to Christian Questions.
2: Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how do we cope with abortion? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: And Jonathan, as we go through this, we are taking a, a scriptural look and look at, we're reading through an article. Uh, by Joyce Arthur, the Bible is pro-choice is the name of the article. We don't agree, and she's giving us all of the reasons why she thinks the Bible is pro-choice. So uh, we've been discussing some of the scriptures that she's brought out, and uh, again, when you see the bigger context, what she's saying really doesn't doesn't fit. Doesn't fit at all. No, it doesn't. So, so let's continue with another piece. And again, we are excerpting the article. We're just dropping in on different parts to try kind to of get the sense of what she's saying about the scriptures. And she says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before
2: I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 4-5. Unfortunately, anti-choicers usually... Pro-lifers. Let's talk about them the way they like to be talked about. Usually stop right there and forget the rest of verse 5, which negates their preferring... Preferred meaning, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The passage is specific to one very special person, Jeremiah the prophet, whom God has called to provide miraculous powers and authority to the world. Since we are not all des- destined to be divine prophets, this verse cannot be construed as applying to any fetus except the unborn Jeremiah. Again, Um, anti-choicers, pro-lifers, are being dishonest by pulling this verse totally out of its context.
1: And don't talk to me about pulling verses out of context when you don't believe in the scriptures and don't know what the scriptures say from beginning to end and refuse to believe that God created man differently than the rest of creation. Anyway, just read that verse again, Jeremiah 1, 4-5. Now the word of the Lord came to
2: me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. But others all appoint differently. No, no, it doesn't say <laughs> no, that. No, 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 you're right.
1: But, you know, the text simply states that God can see how unique, uh, see unique value in individuality in any human at any stage. That's what it's saying. And you're right. You know, she, she's right from the standpoint that, look, this is not a great scripture to say, aha, that means that, you know, that, that, that fetus is fully human. No, it means that fetus has a destiny. Oh, I like that. That's what that means. That's a good point. So, you know, she's got a point on that. But this brings us to our second backdoor step in defining a biblical approach to the pro-choice or pro-life debate. Acknowledge the context of Scripture, not just the immediate
2: context, but... The big picture context as well.
1: And people who... Look, the Bible... I don't know how many pages the Bible is. A typical Bible is what? Maybe 1,500 pages or something? Okay. And for people who don't believe in the scriptures and haven't spent time studying it and and, and really looking at it, for them to, to have the audacity... To go in and pick things out and say, see, this is what this means, and this is what this means, and, and then to pick a, a line of thinking that, that supports their view without going through the rest of it, to me, it's just, it's just it's unfair, it's unfortunate, and it's a misrepresentation. And, you know, you're talking about the Word of God, and that's my father you're talking about. That's right. Don't mess with my dad. <laughs> I mean, really, you, you, you've... Take it for what it's meant to be. And let's not make things mean more than they, they're supposed to mean, and let's not take their meaning away. God created man differently than the rest of creation. That's a fact.
2: Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions.
6: Gentlemen, good morning. Boy, you're pretty brave, aren't you?
1: Well, I don't know about that. but
6: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if I may quickly just say hi to my friend in uh, New York, John. His name is John in New York here listen to your program. My niece in Los Angeles, too, uh, she listens to your program via CD or computer, I forget which one. Her name is Debbie. Hi to them. Anyway, uh, I believe God is uh, pro-life. Uh, let, let me give you quickly uh, an indirect approach to this, okay? Okay. Uh, your scriptures, I think, are very heart-searching. There's a lot to study there. Uh, God uh, detests promiscuity. That is, Fornication, adultery, God insists on accountability. The Exodus scripture, I, I, I don't recall ever reading that. That's why I like to listen to your program. I always learn something from you guys. Uh, I see the, the, the whole scenario there. There is no intent to abort life. As I see it, this is a, a, an accident. An accident thing. It's accidental whatever happens right, here. Right. Right. So I don't see any validity there. Uh, and finally, uh, in the whole uh, uh, scenario here, I like to read. I think this this scripture alludes to the uh, to the uh, uh, terrible conditions that we live in our day and uh, promiscuity and all that. Uh, how God will step in and put an end to all this craziness of abortion and uh, pro-choice and so forth i'd like to read to you and close in uh, isaiah thirteen verse twelve it's not direct but i think there is an illusion here Okay. isaiah thirteen twelve says uh, i will make a man more precious than fine gold and so forth So uh, i would i would translate that i would make a life more precious than fine gold, in contrast to how a life is just, uh, you know, like killing ants or a fly. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Good day. Bye-bye.
1: Yeah, Julius brought out uh, several good points, but when talking about making a man's life more precious than fine gold, I understand, you know, people retort, that, well, you know, but God, you know, was uh, telling his people to kill in wars and things. Yes, he was. And you should go to the program that we did on that uh, several, a few months ago. We we addressed several very difficult scriptures on that. And the bottom line is God is God of life and God of resurrection. That's right. And we can't. We are not. It should not be our choice to do such things. So thank you, Julius. We appreciate it very much. Jonathan, let's go to another soundbite. This is from a former abortion doctor. She used to be the one who performed the abortions in a particular clinic. And it's kind of interesting, her perspective now.
4: We've learned that abortion hurts women, that women are more likely to have a preterm delivery following an elective abortion. They're more likely to have depression and suicide. There are serious risks of having elective abortions. Some women never get over it. Women develop problems having gone through this elective procedure. And I think in a woman's heart, she knows that that's a unique human being. That's not just a piece of tissue.
1: So she's she's taking a very strong stand. Now again, uh, what does the science say about the after effects of having an abortion? It depends on which scientific studies you read, That's frankly,
2: because right, there's information
1: on both sides. Exactly. So who do you believe will we're going to get to that more in the second hour. But uh, interesting perspective. Let's continue, Jonathan, very quickly here with the development process uh, of a fetus. Thirty-five days. What's happening? It's th- now just thirty-five days. I mean, this is just like you just find out you're pregnant. What's happening?
2: Brainwave activity recorded.
1: Brainwave activity. Forty-two days.
2: Brain begins to control movement of muscles and organs.
1: It's amazing at just forty-two days, sixty-three days.
2: Fingerprints are already evident on the skin.
1: Fingerprint. I mean th- that's what that's what that's what identifies us, you know, in, in, in the world today. Eight weeks. All
2: organs and systems are present. The time for eight weeks until birth will be spent growing and maturing. So everything is present at eight weeks, ten weeks. Squints, if face is stroked, tried to grasp objects placed in hand.
1: At just ten weeks. So when you say is this just a blob or a massive tissue? Think about it. Think about it. Know what the facts are. ChristianQuestions.com. Go to Rewind, the full edition. Sign up. Get the bonus material. Look at the pictures. It shows you these periods of time. 35 days, 42, 63, 8 weeks, and 10 weeks. And you tell me if that's a blob of tissue or a, a, a human in development. You tell me just by looking at what's actually there. Know the facts. So, Deuteronomy 12. 22 to 23, Jonathan, um, is it just a mass of tissue? It's interesting what this scripture says. It doesn't have to do with abortion, but it has to do with the essence of life.
2: Just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, so you may eat them. The unclean and the clean alike may eat them. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat, or the blood with the
1: meat. Right, so what you're saying, what the scripture is saying, that the life... The very essence of life is in the blood, mm-hmm. and blood is present in that, uh, that fetus at, uh, I don't know, like 20-something days, you know, 15 to 17 days, you have a circulatory system. Wow. So it's, it's an amazing thing. Now, so life is in the blood. A mother's blood nourishes her own body, correct? Correct. Every one of her organs depends upon her blood to keep her alive.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: And any blob of tissue in her body is nourished by her blood, mm-hmm. right? Even a cancer. Would be nourished by her own blood. You're right. Okay? A mother's blood never nourishes an embryo directly. Ever. It, it doesn't. No, that tiny little being develops its own blood, and any mixture of the embryo's blood and the mother's blood could actually be deadly. So, for a woman to say that she controls her own body is technically excluding the embryo because it's its own body and it has its own blood. And it's nourishing itself. Her blood never touches it.
2: That is interesting.
1: That's the fact. So when the scripture says life is in the blood, you see the individuality. Right away. Show, right. Wow. At this very, 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 very early stage. Yeah. Jonathan, we're, we're getting short on time here. I want to get to this next soundbite and make sure we give enough time for this. Roe versus Wade back in, I think it was 1973. This, that the, 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 the changed the landscape of America Related did.
2: to abortion It really did
1: Okay, Jane Rowe, What does she think now? Where does she stand now? Jane, the, the woman who was responsible For making abortions legal Across the country We have a soundbite from her now And this is very, very fascinating Let's listen
4: Most of you won't recognize me Or my real name It's Norma McCorvey I'm also known as Jane Roe, the plaintiff in the Supreme Court case, Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion in America and changed our nation in an unprecedented way. I have three daughters and have never had an abortion. However, upon knowing God, I realized that my case, which legalized abortion on demand, was the biggest mistake of my life. You see, abortion has eliminated 50 million innocent babies in the U.S. alone since 1973. Abortion scars an untold number of post-abortive mothers, fathers, and families, too. You read about me in history books, but now I'm dedicated to spreading the truth about preserving the dignity of all human life, from natural conception to natural death.
1: That's amazing. That is. So there she is. She's completely changed her perspective on it for, for the reasons of her, her finding God. Basically, that's, that's what happened. She found God and changed her perspective as a result. So Jonathan, <coughs> the third backdoor step in defining a biblical approach to pro-life versus pro-choice. This is <coughs> Here's why I really think the Bible cannot possibly be pro-choice. One of the reasons. Ever since the feminist movement began, the Bible has been a target for women in the Bible were never given choices over their lives, right? Right. They were always subject to men. What makes anyone think that they could have remotely stood a chance of being able to choose to terminate a pregnancy? Folks, think. If you want to say the Bible is pro-choice, what you're saying is a woman would have had a choice. They didn't have a choice on anything. Who would even Yes, that they could possibly have a choice on whether to keep a pregnancy or not. I mean, come on. Use your head. When you look at the context of something, look at it from the big context. Further, uh, find one instance of any woman in the Bible who balked against having children. Find one. Go there, look.
2: There isn't one, Rick.
1: So, so, Jonathan, as we look at this, at this issue and, you know, the, the, the big debate, if you will, and, and those who say that the Bible is um, uh, pro-choice. What they're doing is they're picking out, they're, they're, they're guilty of what they say, those of us who believe in the Bible, uh, of what they say we do. And, and to be honest, you know, perhaps we take some of those scriptures, we try to make them mean more than they do sometimes. Okay. Okay, you know, we could certainly be guilty of that. But the point is this. Look at the Bible in its entirety. And what you see is man and woman created. And they were created equally. Adam was first, Eve was second, but they were created to walk together. In that creation, there was sin. As a result of the sin, it said that the woman would be subject to the man. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was part of the penalty. And we see that reflected throughout all of the scriptures. And so in that subjection, she didn't have the right to choose on a lot of things. And of course, this, now the Bible doesn't specifically say, and by the way, every woman has to decide she keeps all of her children that she's pregnant with, because it was never a thought to abort them. Right, Just like God says, when, when, when in, in, in Jeremiah, when Israel had gone so far off the beaten path, and, and, and Israel was now sacrificing to Molech, and they were actually sacrificing their children in the fire. Oh,
2: that was so awful.
1: God says, what are you doing? This never even entered my mind. It's the same principle. The same principle exists. Where there is a life that has begun, God expects us to be responsible for for that life and to that life and to give that life an ability to choose. Now, here's the other thing, folks. In the second hour, if you're, not, if you're not with us, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click on Listen Live and hopefully you can stay with us because big questions in the second hour. What if you had an abortion? What do you do? How do you deal with it? Are you able to cope with it? Is there a way to get over it? Is there a way to move forward? That and so much more coming in the second hour. Folks, this is an important subject. It's a big subject. We really want to stay with you. And we want you to give us your thoughts and comments. You can leave them on Facebook. You can tweet us. Uh, Just get in touch. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, how do we cope with abortion? Big subject, a lot of pieces, and a lot of biblical principle that we need to understand. Until after the news and all that, Abortion and dealing with it. Think about it.
0: This is Christian Questions.
1: Abraham Lincoln once said, Be sure you put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. Good morning everyone and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic this morning? It's a very difficult subject, but a very necessary one. It
2: really is, Rick. Our question is, how do we cope with abortion? And our theme text is found in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace.
1: So the question is, how do we cope with abortion? Abortion is legal uh inc- incidentally just a, a side point the instances of abortion have gone down pretty dramatically in the last 10 years or so um well that's interesting yeah it is and i think it's because there's a lot more education uh, out there there's a lot more ability to see what you're really doing and people are actually being more responsible i think uh in 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 looking at that saying wait a minute this isn't this isn't just as as simplistic as i was i was i was told it is
2: And also those that regretted doing it will now stand up and speak out based on their own experience
1: and because the world is all connected through the internet yes. those testimonies if you will mm-hmm. can be worldwide in an instant right so there there has been a very uh, an uptick if you will in in those who are against uh, abortion have had bad experiences and so forth and and Jonathan in the first hour we spent a lot of time talking about a biblical perspective because interestingly the bible does not deal directly with abortion at all not a single scripture no So what you need to do is say, okay, if you don't have a scripture dealing directly with an issue, you need to find a scriptural principle that echoes throughout the scriptures over and over and over again.
2: And not just picking out the ones that go along with what you think. You have to use them all.
1: Right, and not picking out the ones that that go along with what you think and, and making them bigger than they really are either. Right, right. Okay, so and the scriptural principle is God created man in his image, man and woman, And uh, we, uh, there's a sanctity to life. Yes, there is. There is is no scriptural example anywhere of any woman uh, having an abortion, uh, ending a pregnancy by her own choice. There is none. That should tell you something. If you want to say the Bible is pro-choice, and there are many people who do, then how do you account for that? How can you draw that conclusion? See, the the, the default conclusion for this really ought to be, well, God must be pro-life because he designed it that way.
2: That would be the, the logical so,
1: thought. until you have something that says completely the opposite, that has got to be the default. You know, be fruitful, multiply, fulfill fill the earth, replenish it, subdue it, and have dominion over everything. That's what God said to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. He said, that's the process. And so, in, in looking at the, the scriptures... You know, there's a lot to be said for God being pro-life because that's the way he created us. Let's go to another scripture in Job. And, and Jonathan, in this segment, we want to get into, okay, we'll start to get into, well, what if, you've, what if you had an abortion and now you're regretting it? What do you do? Yeah, that's a tough, tough, tough place to be. That is. Let's go to Job. Job lab, laments his misfortunes and uses the example of the death of an infant before and after birth in Job three eleven through 17. Why
2: died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should suck? For now should I have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept. Then had I been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves.
1: So Job is lamenting. And remember, Job is having very hard, hard experiences in his life.
2: Oh, torture. He's going through misery right right right. now.
1: And he's lamenting his situation. And, And then he continues in verse 16. Or
2: as an hidden untimely birth I had not been, as infants which never saw light. There the wicked cease from trembling, and there the weary be at rest.
1: So he's saying even you know why didn't I die at birth or why didn't I even die before birth? I mean that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. You know because there I would be at rest. Let's touch on Job 10 verses 18 and 19 as well. Why then have you brought me out of the womb?
2: Would that I had died and not I had seen me. I should have
1: been as though I had been not been carried from womb to tomb. And so Job is, is lamenting and, you know, those who say that the Bible is pro-choice say, aha, you see, that uh, he's, there's no big deal with dying, you know, with, you know, having his life taken from him before he was born. But, but you're not reading the scripture. <laughs> Read the scripture. Understand. Why is Job saying this? He's saying this because his life has fallen apart. Yes, Remember? he's
2: in misery right. and pain.
1: And and his his comforters. And I love the way we we, we describe them as comforters. <laughs> the w- what a word. <laughs> yeah, his comforters came to him and said, "Job, you know, you you've obviously done something wrong to make God mad at you. Curse God and die." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Great comfort. Sign me up, you know. And and he's and he's lamenting the the difficulties of uh, of his life. But the interesting thing is that He's talking about, or hidden as an untimely birth. Now that's a stillborn child, mm-hmm. okay—one who died before they were born. Now you think about that, you say, okay, uh, can you sort of relate that to abortion? Well, no, not really, because that happened by, by course of nature, right? Okay, right. versus abortion, which is by choice. But it says, had I not been as infants, which never saw life, there the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary be at rest. So he's talking about that child, that preborn child, being at rest. He's showing value and respect for the life in the womb. Yes. He's not looking at it as some blob of tissue or mass of cells or something. He's talking about it as his individuality. You know, and and you've got to see that there's something bigger than just this, this, this blob, than than, than some cancerous growth that you might want to, you know, just cut right out of somebody.
2: He also believes in a God of resurrection, knowing that after death, resurrection will take place. Right.
1: And he says that in another place, you know, hide me in the grave until the resurrection. Exactly. And so this is showing the value of life before birth. There is value. That's what the scriptures are telling us. Folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of
2: today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. And
1: don't forget, Seeker Rewind, the full edition. You have to sign up for it. There's a bunch of stuff in the bonus material, Jonathan, that we just don't have time to cover And here.
2: the graphics and illustrations are very important for a subject like this. Yeah, week.
1: yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it's none of the stuff in in the Rewind is gross. That's right. Okay. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> the, it, it, it's, it's all positive. Mm-hmm. And it's all showing you the value of life, the value of life, right. the value of life. That's what we're focusing on here today. And, and Jonathan, here's, here's another issue, another part of this. Um, that We're going to go to a soundbite in a second, but I just want to mention it before the soundbite the idea that a teenager a 15 14 15 16 year old can get an abortion without parental consent okay uh, and
2: that i mean with i i remember how immature i was growing up making a decision without having maturity and well thought out you know ideas That's dangerous.
1: Of course it is. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Let's go back to this uh, uh, soundbite. In the first hour, we heard from uh, uh, an abortion doctor. Uh, She had been an abortion doctor, uh, and uh, she decided that it was not the right thing to do. Uh, And basically, she's saying abortion practices hide the truth. And, you know, she's taking a stand against what she used to do.
4: And I was guilty of adding to that concept because that's what i explained i said it's just a piece of tissue i could not allow myself to think of that as a unique human being as a life because obviously the next train of thought was i'm killing a life i i can't deny that i did the procedures here i was the main abortion provider during those years and it's my desire to end abortion on demand in south dakota
1: so she's basically saying, "I explained it this way because because um, if she allowed herself to see it differently, then the conclusion would have to be
2: she's murdering yeah she's life.
1: Ta- taking a life now you know the the question always r- remains, and we're not going to get into this question but is 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 a fetus a full human life with full human rights and you know there's different various uh, perspectives on that and I, I'm, I'm not convinced one way or another I am convinced they have the right to live absolutely positively they have at least that very basic right they have no voice therefore they should have a right to live let's talk about Jonathan just for a moment though the idea of getting uh, 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 being able to get an abortion as a teenager without parental consent let, let me give you a quick example. Okay. Okay. Suppose your, your daughter's 15 years old mm-hmm. and she gets some infection in her leg. Okay. Okay. She's got this infection, so she goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, you know what, we're going to we're gonna have to amputate your foot. Now, do you think for one second that that doctor wouldn't get parental consent before they did that? Uh, he would have to. He would be sued to kingdom come. <laughs> okay. If he did that surgery without parental consent. But why? It's her body. Why shouldn't she be allowed to make her own choice? You see, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to say surgery has to be through parental consent in one area, why in in, in the name of all that is good and right would you say that surgery must be through parental consent except for this one thing? This one thing which incidentally every woman's body is wired to support and, 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 and nurture. Why would you do that? It just to, and Jonathan, to me, that's one of the most maddening parts of this whole issue. I, I just don't get it.
2: Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Beth from Tennessee. Good morning, Beth, and welcome to Christian Questions.
5: Hey, guys. How are you? Doing
2: well. How are you? Beth, you there? Beth, what happened? She, she was there.
5: <laughs> hey, guys. How are you?
1: Okay. Go ahead.
5: Hey. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, we can. Now we can.
5: Can you hear me?
1: Yes, we can. Can you hear me? All right, Church, put her back on hold. I don't know what happened Can there. you hear me? Uh, put her back on hold and... Uh, okay,
5: I can't hear you, but I'm just going to talk. <laughs> okay. Um, I just wanted to uh, insert a little bit of a different approach here. I wanted to um, comment on m- many of the abortions happen to very very young women who <clears throat> feel ashamed they feel afraid um they don't want to shame their family you know it's, it's nice that we can talk about it so freely on the radio but it was never you know there was a time when it was just you didn't talk about it right. and um i think a lot of these young women feel that they have no other choice, that they, um, they, they just make the decision based on, uh, youth and inexperience and, and, and possibly not knowing God. And I think that, you know, Jesus knew the woman at the well. He knew everything that was in her life. And Jesus also knew the woman that was, Almost stoned in the square for adultery, and I think that if you know this this is really not a scientific issue it's a it's a god issue it's between the woman and God if she um is given god's grace and has a change of heart and realizes what she's done is is wrong, then she uh can be forgiven and uh you know, Jesus washed away our sins, God threw them as far as the east from the west and I'm sorry I'm getting all emotional, so I'm gonna hang up and I love you guys. Bye bye.
1: Thank you, Beth. Appreciate it. And and Beth she she said it so well. That that's the that's the sad part about this thing is that many times young women really think they don't have a choice. You're right. They really believe they don't have a choice because there's, there's shame that they bring upon themselves and their family. They're going to ruin their lives. And you can go on and on with a litany of reasons mm-hmm. why. And, uh, and Beth is right. Forgiveness is available. When we, and, and look, folks, look, if you're listening and you've made the wrong choice and now you're looking back and saying, what have I done? The first thing you need to do is say, okay, that's what I've done. Bring it before God and lay it out and expect forgiveness For your repentance. You know, we can't bring back that life, but we can live a life that can promote life. And that's the very best thing that we can do in that kind of circumstance. And Beth is absolutely right. When you're faced with that difficult time, that moment where you don't feel like there's any other way out, and then you've made a choice and you're saying, What have I done? It's not the end. Folks, it can be a beginning, but you have to choose to make it a beginning. Don't allow yourself to be swallowed up in grief. Now look, mourning, that's something is that's important. You mourn the, the mistake, you mourn the loss, but then let the forgiveness of God overwhelm your life and learn how to step-by-step step move forward one day at a time. This
2: is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how do we cope with abortion? Coming up, how does aborting a child affect the mental and emotional conscience of a woman's heart and mind. Is it damaging, or is it no big deal? That's next.
0: You're listening to Christian Questions.
2: Welcome back. This is Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this morning is how do we cope with abortion? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: And Jonathan, I cannot help but uh, think uh, and rethink and rethink that call from Beth uh, in Tennessee. And just sharing the the. The difficulty that a young woman would face feeling like, "Okay, my life is now going to be over. What do I do? I don't have a choice and and that's sometimes that's the default thinking in a very young mind, sure, which is the very reason you need parental consent. I mean, come on, you need parental consent for these things, but they don't allow it. you know that's those are the laws uh and that's to me that's probably the most maddening part. I raised two daughters. And and I know all about parental consent with, with, with raising children. Um, but uh, again, Beth, I want to thank you for, for being very clear on the difficulty of choice that these young women face.
2: And then also knowing that asking forgiveness and that relationship with God will help get you through uh, all your mistakes in life.
1: And, and you know, that's the thing. that That is the only thing that sometimes gets us through. The only thing. And the fact is, the fact, the fact is... According to scripture, when we are repentant for our sins, God is faithful and forgiving. He is. So we just be repentant, lay it before him, and allow him to begin the healing process in our lives. That
2: reminds me of the Apostle Paul, not looking back, but straining forward. Don't dwell on the past and the mistakes. Move forward. Apostle Paul was guilty of murder. The Lord can do good things for your life. He can help you to be something greater than you can even comprehend yourself. So
1: we take those scriptural examples and we put them in play. And you know, and that was a situation with the Apostle Paul, and we'll talk about it more a little bit later. But uh, where that that was murdered without question. That's I mean, right. Stoning a, a grown man. That's okay? right. There's no issue of is this a person or not? He was innocent. Right, and it was a completely innocent man, and yet the Apostle Paul was responsible, and then afterwards blessed by God. Right. Because he repented and he moved forward. Wow. That's the message of hope if you've made those mistakes, folks. That's the message. If you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866 985 all We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any
2: questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your questions at
1: ChristianQuestions.com or go to Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. All right, Jonathan, let's go to uh, Judges 13, 3 to 5, because this brings in a whole different aspect to this uh, the, 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 the idea of you know prenatal uh, existence and care and so forth.
2: And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Although you are barren, having borne no children, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now be careful not to drink wine or strong drink or eat anything unclean, for you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor is to come on his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth. It is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines.
1: And Jonathan, this scripture shows us the sacredness of pregnancy, and it helps us understand what a mother does while she's pregnant will affect the unborn child. That's a good point. And, you know, it's a simple thing. We all know that now. And, but Prenatal vitamins. Right. You know, all those things. Care is important. Mm-hmm. Again, the point is there's value to the unborn. That's what yes. this thing, you know, yes. th- is this an anti-abortion scripture? No, it's not. It's just saying, look, there's value to the unborn. That's what it says. That's what it is. That's all. It's not some massive self, selves, but it's a developing personality. That's what we have to realize. There is that developing personality. The DNA is there for that person.
2: And for a mother uh, to protect the womb defend nurture to feed it that's her god-given ability
1: and privilege yes and now you know you say okay great privilege if if something happened and you know you got pregnant and you know you it wasn't even your fault you know rape or incest or something like that and those are tough issues there's no question about it but you still have the sanctity and sacredness of life what are you going to do with it You know, that's the thing. What are you going to do with that sanctity and sacredness of life? Let's go to uh, that life after abortion, um, another soundbite from there, and uh, talk about, just for a few minutes, the the reactions to um, regret of of making a decision then looking back and saying I shouldn't have done it.
4: They said my life would get back to normal again. It's never been back to normal again.
0: The grief and trauma and shame that we as women deal with with this choice I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy
6: I had nightmares I became depressed I wanted to meet them I wanted to see what they would have looked like their voices
4: it affected me as a woman as a mother as a wife
5: it finally just get to a point where I no longer wanted to live I felt I could no longer go on
4: in the middle of the night she woke up and she was just crying and I looked in her face, and I just saw terror.
3: I began to um, have suicidal thoughts, and I made a suicide attempt. I turned the gas on in the oven,
5: and thank God a friend came to the door.
4: I tried two other times to kill myself as
5: well.
1: So, Jonathan, you, you hear that, and, you, and, and it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see that they were faced with that, that issue, that, that situation like Beth was describing. And they made a choice, and it wasn't the right choice. And now they're, they're living with that utter regret and that pain. And you think, Why well, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And folks, again, the answer is you seek forgiveness. You seek forgiveness. The Apostle Paul was a murderer, and he was used greatly and mightily by God. So if you've fallen into a situation where you've done something that is very, that you, you now look back on and, it's, look, it's legal, but you look back on it and say that was very wrong, a morally or ethically incredibly wrong decision. What do you do? You ask forgiveness. And if you live forgiven, forgiveness is yours.
2: Rick, also, the other side of the issue, there are studies and research that say, no, it doesn't affect right. a, a woman's uh, conch, you know conscience, her heart or her mind. She's fine and she lives a productive, wonderful life after and it didn't yes. hurt her at all. Yeah. So... There is another
1: side right. to there, the story. There is. As a matter of fact, Seeker Rewind, the full edition, in the bonus material, we have an article from each side of that issue. Okay, there's one article that says, nope, no, no adverse conditions uh, affect women after. Basically, what it says is the women who are depressed would have gotten depressed anyway. That's what it's saying. And then there's another article that says, oh, no, 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 81% higher chance of depression and suicide, and on, and on, and on, in their studies. Okay. So you look at it, and they're saying two totally different things, and the question is, well, who do you believe? And really, the bottom line on that, Jonathan, to me is okay, who do you believe? Because you, it's like, and I don't want to get into this as an issue, but this is an example global warming. Okay. There is science that says it's true, and there's science that says it's not.
2: On both sides of the issue.
1: Who do you believe? Okay. I could, I, and I've looked into this from both sides, and I, I've got a stack of things on one and a stack of things on the other. Who do you believe? I don't know. What I know about this issue, though, with, 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 um, uh, with abortion is this. A woman's body, a woman's emotions, a woman's hormones are all built around the protection, defense, nurturing, and feeding of a child. That's what a woman is naturally built to be able to do. So to me, logic dictates if you choose to not do what you are hormonally and physically built for and you choose to interrupt it in the middle... I can't see how it can't have an adverse effect. I just don't understand that. Now, look, I'm a guy. I don't know. But when I look at it and you say, okay, you got studies here and studies there, to me, you go back to just that that basic logic and say, look, this is what you're you're built for. You have literally body parts that are only there for one reason. Mm -hmm. You have hormones that are there to program you to nurture and to protect. And when you destroy that which you were built to protect, I think... There's an adverse effect. I, I don't know. That's a, that's. Folks, if you have a thought, <laughs> bail me out. <laughs> 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866 985 all We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and, and that means we're on right now. Our website, ChristianQuestions.com. All right. Now, Jonathan, look, and this is going to sound really, really prudish, but it's gotta, I think it's got to be said. You know, how, how, how is it that a woman can be pro-choice? I think it's a matter of when you make your choices. Okay. I'm not against women being pro-choice, but I'm, I am for making your choices in the right place, in the right time, under the right circumstances. A woman's body is her own. There's no question about it, except for the covenant of marriage, in which her body belongs to her husband and her husband's body belongs to her. That's what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. Okay? But outside of that, it is her own. So here's the thing. Make your choices, but assume responsibility full responsibility for your choices and in this world in this time we don't preach that and we don't do that as i see it and again this is prudish sorry but this is what i believe <laughs> you know i'm gonna really I, and people are gonna look like where, where what planet did you come from i came from a scriptural perspective there's three ways to live your life you can remain single and unattached Okay, a chaste virgin before the Lord. And that means no sex. Sorry, I'm going to be blunt. That's what it means. The consequences and results of that could be loneliness and therefore potential temptation. No children, potential stronger focus on God could be a, a, a consequence of that and potential better service to others because you're not bogged down with those things and you can be spiritually more active. Mm hmm. Live as a chaste virgin before God. No sex. That's right. I said it, and I said it again, and I'll say it one more time. Live as a chaste virgin before God and dedicate your life there, th- thereby. Or you can choose to remain single and unattached but lead a sexually active life.
2: But there are consequences.
1: And that's the point. If you choose to lead a life like that, then you are choosing the consequences of a life like that. And let folks look. Let's not make a mistake on this. Let's not say, well, I can do whatever I want. Sure you can. And therefore, say it with me, and I will bear the consequences of my actions. So let's say it together. I can do whatever I want, and I will therefore bear the consequences of my actions. Now, if you really mean that, what does that mean? If you remain single and unattached, but you want to lead a sexually active life, what are the consequences and results? Potential diseases, potential pregnancy, potential loneliness,
2: When you choose to have sex without the safety net of marriage, you therefore must choose to assume full responsibility for whatever the outcomes.
1: Now, you notice we didn't say if you choose to have unprotected sex. We said if you choose to have sex without the safety net of marriage, because that's where sex belongs. Again, real prudish in our world, but too bad. That's where we sit here. You know, we're very emphatic about it. Why? Because the scriptures gave us a formula that... Has worked for the entire history of humankind. Who do we think we are to say now, 6,000 years later, well, you know, we're now free and we can do whatever we want? Sure, you can. Say it with me, but I will bear the consequences of my decisions. And if you choose to remain single and unattached and you want to get involved in all kinds of, of, of physical relationships, then bear the responsibilities. And, you know, Jonathan, where do you think sexually transmitted diseases come from? Do they come from the sanctity of marriage? No, they don't. They come from promiscuity. So, when we're talking about abortion, I'm going to go way back to a whole different different part of the conversation which we'll we'll be leaving in a moment, and that is the choices you make before you get pregnant. And for those of us who say, well, but you know, you're not considering you know, those people who are raped or uh, victims of incest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the, And you're right. That's not part of this. The fact of the matter is, though, I would be willing to deal with those as a case-by-case uh, issue. The fact of the matter is less than one-half of 1% one of all abortions are as a result of rape or incest. Less than one-half of 1%. One if you want to put them in a separate category, I'm good with that because to me that's a good start. Okay, it's a start. It's not a finish. It's a start. But the rest of us bear the responsibility of your actions. And again, if you make the wrong choice, then you just ask forgiveness.
2: Well, there's a third option, Rick, and that's to marry.
1: Yes. And then you fi- thereby follow the ages old, God sanctioned arrangement. And what are the consequences of that? Potential difficulty in getting along and potential
2: unhappiness.
1: <laughs> okay. It, you know, that's j- a possibility. Just because we say get married doesn't mean like, oh, they live happily ever after. <laughs> that, that doesn't necessarily happen.
2: But also, Rick, potential fulfillment, children, potential strength of unity that is far greater than the sum of its parts.
1: And that's the thing about this, Jonathan, is yes, in all cases, we have choices. But each of our choices brings responsibility. And if we are not going to stand up and take full responsibility, then we're missing something. And we're doing ourselves damage and those around us damage. And Jonathan, frankly, I have known people who have, have gone and gotten abortions. I have known people who have actually decided against abortions, sometimes at the last possible second. I know several people like that. And uh, so, so I know people on both sides of the issue. And, you know, it takes great courage. It takes great courage to, 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 to decide against it and then have to live up with the, with the responsibilities thereafter. And obviously, adoption can be a, uh, an option. An option, sure. Um, but I've also known people to not take responsibility, and there's a hole in their lives, and there just is. So, folks, the bottom line here is we want to make sure that if we are going to be pro-choice, great, but say it with me. I can be pro-choice. I can do what I want, but I will, in fact fully bear the responsibilities of my actions. That is what pro-choice to me really should mean. This is Christian questions.
2: I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is how do we cope with abortion? Coming up. What if you aborted your child? What do you do? That's next.
0: You're listening to
2: Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how do we cope with abortion? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: And Jonathan, we are looking at the value of life and how important it is to recognize the value of life. And folks, if you're in a situation where you're, you're, and again, I keep going back to Beth because she was so on target with her very emotional description of that, that sense that sometimes you feel like you have no choice. Well, if you feel like you have no choice, get all the facts. Get all of them. And then be brave and be courageous and see what can happen. And Jonathan, just another sense of this, you know, of, of the value of life before birth. Luke one thirty nine to forty four. And then we'll go to the phones.
2: Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears,
1: the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And it's interesting that she she had that that prenatal movement that was dramatic.
2: And, of course, that was John the Baptist in Elizabeth's belly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saying, oh, I want to go to work. <laughs> you know, it just, the whole point, though, is that the, it, it shows you the incredible value and vibrance of that life. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Good point. And, and that's the thing we've got to realize. This is no, no little mass of cells at, what was it, 21 days or 20. You have a heartbeat. That's not a little mass of cells. It's not a blob of tissue. It's got a heartbeat. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right,
2: well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions.
0: Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Jeremiah twenty seventeen, Because he did not kill me in the womb so that my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Author Evelyn Waugh had one of his characters call sin setting up a good greater than God's. God allows us great freedom, but he has intent, he has his good. Luke 1 31 32 You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. It is clear that in Scripture God has intent for the life in the womb. It is not a question of trimesters, viability, legality, or convenience. The question is do we dare that our good is greater than God's? Ecclesiastes 11.5 Just as you do not know how the breath comes to the bones in the mother's womb, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything.
1: Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it.
0: God bless you guys.
1: You too. Take care. And and that's a very, very important point. You know, is our good bigger than God's good? And, you know, Fr- Fred was saying something, he's our, our board producer during the break, you know, if God wasn't pro choice or pro life, rather, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and there's a, something to be said for that because God has a plan, a plan of redemption, a plan of resurrection based on the ransom price of Jesus. So, so we want to, um, go to that final question, Jonathan. So what if you, what if you made that mistake? We've been touching on it and going back to it again and again. And actually, um, Beth, listen, Beth, if you're still listening, I want, if you would, email me at rick. At um, What's my email? Rick at ChristianQuestions.net because uh, I want to talk to you. Uh, I, w- I want to talk to you because I, I was just so moved by, by what you had to say. Rick at net. Jonathan, you've made the mistake. You're a young woman. You felt like you had no choice. You felt like your life was over and there was this pressure this pressure to not bring shame and, and all of those things, and so you do something, and then you then maybe, maybe it doesn't come immediately. Maybe it comes years later. You have a wave of regret. Let's look at handling such things, and this scripture actually is part of what Beth was talking about, Psalm 103, verses 8 through 13.
2: The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever
1: so i love the beginning of this scripture because he says he's 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 compassionate gracious and he is abounding in loving kindness now get the sense of abounding in loving kindness when you're you're abounding in something it means you, you can't even you can't contain it that's it. that's the description of our God. Let's go to verse 11. For as high
2: as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who revere him.
1: So, you think about it. How high are the heavens above the earth? The answer is I don't know, pretty high. <laughs> And it's something that we can't fathom, and that's why the psalmist wrote it that way. It's, that's how big, that's how great his loving kindness is those who have reverence for him. But the key, Jonathan, is reverence for God. Yes, it is. See, you're gonna, you're not gonna be able to unlock that, that, that loving kindness without that (coughs) reverence.
2: No peace will be found in your heart without
1: that. So you've gotta find the reverence, and then. And then this abounding loving kindness can open up. And let's go to verse 12.
2: As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who revere him.
1: Again, How far uh, away does he remove our transgressions? East, East from the west. And that's as far as you can get. You know, you're going in a straight line and, you know, they just move further and further away as time goes on. That's right. And so the idea is God is abounding in loving kindness. He is abounding. He is so big that we cannot even fathom the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. He created man specially, Jonathan, for a reason. He has a plan, and that plan includes resurrection for every man, woman, and child. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10.13, a great promise given to those who are really, truly trying to follow after God through Jesus as footstep followers. No
2: temptation has overtaken you, but such as is
1: common to man.
2: And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it.
1: So I love this. It's a promise. It's in the New Testament. It's for those who are footstep followers of Christ. But it's basically saying, look, you're going to be tested just like everybody else. So these issues are going to come up in your lives, uh, or maybe they're part of your history, and then you have to deal with the, these issues. Whatever the case, the temptation that is put to you, God loves you so much that he is going to allow that to happen. That's how much he loves you. He's going to allow you to be tested, but not beyond your capacity because he loves you too much for that. Now think about that. Why does a God of love allow you to be tested? Well, why does a father uh, allow their children to, to fall down? So they can learn how to get up. That's right. Why does, a, why does a father allow their children sometimes to make bad choices? So they can learn not to make those bad choices. Exactly. Why does a parent give their, your, your child guidance and, and walk them through the, the success and failure uh, routine? So they can learn about success and failure.
2: And when they fail, they can get back up and try again. And you
1: don't know how to get up unless you've fallen down. And, and that's part of it. We all fall down. It comes down to God is faithful. And man, Jonathan, how great is it to have a father that is so faithful, that knows that the very hairs of your head are numbered. It's amazing. It is. It's truly amazing. Let's go to one last soundbite, folks. If you have a thought, now would absolutely be the time 866 985 4255. Toll free 866 985 for all. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now.
2: And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: One last soundbite from Life After Abortion. This gives a very important message.
4: Many women have had abortions, and there's no place for them to go to have the voice to say it, I think there's a lot of women in hiding because of still the shame of admitting it and its impact in their life. So what I would want to say is take courage and do so for yourself and for the memory of that child.
1: Take courage and speak up. You know, that's the thing. That's the message. Speak up because your pain can bring others understanding. Good point, Rick. We have to realize that, folks. We are so connected, especially in our world today, that that the pain of our errors, our difficulties, our mistakes, our, our bad choices, and all of those things, if we can get our arms around them and realize the forgiveness of God through Christ that pain can actually bring power and choice to others that they would have not had before. Absolutely. A, and, and what a great gift that is to take the worst possible thing in life and make it something that can heal others. That, uh, that's, be, be vulnerable. Yes, yes. Be willing to be vulnerable and courageous in the strength of God. Matthew twelve twenty. Jonathan. I love this scripture.
2: A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick... He will not put out until he leads justice to victory.
1: So basically it is a tender, loving care scripture right there. It is. There's a lot of TLC in that scripture. Tender, loving care uh, that God, and Jesus is quoting this from the Old Testament, um, is, 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 is watching over us and he he, he...
2: he knows our frailty.
1: He loves life and he understands injury and he understands the the brokenness of our lives, Mm -hmm. and he can heal us. Now look, all of our healing may not come in this life, but it certainly can come in the next life. And the best way to get started on that is to work at, if you've made a mistake, if you've done something that you regret, ask forgiveness. Repent of that sin, repent of that difficulty, and then ask for forgiveness. And folks, I can't stress enough Uh, how important it is to to ask, and like you said, uh, you you used a great word, you said, be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. When we lay our sins before God, we are as vulnerable as we can be. That's right. Look, God knows anyway. (laughs) Can't hide. Right, but he wants us to lay it before him so we know, so we know, so that way we can be healed from those mistakes and those sins. That's the point. You've got to know to be able to be healed. You've got to know to be able to understand and you've got to understand to be able to grow and you've got to grow to be able to be like Jesus. It... <laughs> If if we can only get that in relation to abortion and the difficulty of that of that issue, Jonathan, it's, it's something it's something magnificent. Children in the scriptures are a blessing. God is pro life. This idea about God and the Bible being pro choice is nonsense. God is pro life. Psalm one seventy seven um, one twenty seven three to five. Behold,
2: children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate.
1: So it gives you a sense that children are this great, great gift um, from God. And that that's the way he built us. Again, the earth brought forth all of the creation, but man created God in his image and after his likeness and man 's com- god 's command to man was to be fruitful and to multiply and to have a family and to build that family up in god worship and god likeness that 's what our job is supposed to be, and it is a blessing psalm one twenty eight verses three and four
2: Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who reveres the
1: Lord. Now, that's quite a a poetic picture. Your children like olive plants around the table. I don't know. My kids didn't sit still long enough to be olive plants (laughs) around a table. (laughs) But, you know, it's interesting, Jonathan, because you look at the experiences of life and um, you look at the choices uh, that we all make. And there is definitely a, a, um, a, a reaction to every choice that we make. Now, we may deny it. We may say, well, you know what, the the consequence of that choice, you know, I I know that's not going to be my consequence, but it is. Mm-hmm. And we can we can we can walk away from it, and we can run and hide from it all we want, but sooner or later those consequences come out. And interestingly, in the day of judgment, those things that we have not sought to to reconcile with God now are going to come up then.
2: That's right. We'll have to deal with them right. then. Right.
1: So let's let's put it in perspective now. And the, the great thing is. That there are many, many people who are out there, folks, that have had the same experience as you have. All you need to do is speak out, find them, and then work with them. Create a fellowship that helps each of you grow step-by-step into more Christ-likeness. That's what this is all about. Abortion is legal. It's a tough subject, but we want to be godly in our approach. So when you talk to those on the other side, don't be insulting. That's ridiculous. Be factual. Be truthful. The truth doesn't need exaggeration. It simply needs to be spoken. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today for a very tough subject. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. You can tweet us. You can jo- join in uh, with our blog. Until next week, how do we cope with abortion one day at a time? Seek forgiveness. Think about it.